0: It was really funny to go into the vegetable garden yesterday and see my lupin sprouting beans.
1: Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's gotta be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of April the 19th, 2012. The subject today is sweet lupin. You and I are focused on helping home gardeners do a better job raising fruits and vegetables. And in general, home gardeners don't pay much attention to cover crops. So I guess it's appropriate for you and I to talk about lupin. We probably should be doing this in late August, (laughs) Because that's when you ought to be thinking about lupin. And maybe we'll mark our calendar so we'll make sure we bring it up and remind people about it then. But
0: but last August, we didn't know how much we were going to like it.
1: Exactly. (laughs) So
0: that's why we have to wait till next August to tell people more about it. But I think now that we're seeing the lupin really grow up and start going to seed, which is what was happening when I saw beans growing on my lupin, uh, you know, I thought at first, oh, wow. I've got beans already out there and then our lupin's bolting. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it is, and in this case we want it to because as we've talked about there might be some ways that it actually might reseed itself. But I think we need to back up and talk about what is lupin and why are we so excited about it?
1: Well, I guess we should first start with the fact that sweet lupin is a cover crop. It is not designed necessarily for a yield of a crop. It's there to provide some benefit to the soil when you're not growing something else on it.
0: Yeah, and and that's a a very good practice for any farmer, but especially if you're going organic, because that's one way to, without using um, inorganic fertilizers to build nitrogen in your soil, it's a way to keep your soil covered with something you don't don't want to have bare ground there. Uh, It does help suppress weeds, I have noticed. It, in the places where I had lupin growing fairly thickly, and once it got tall, it really was choking out weeds better than um, places where it was patchy or where I had nothing planted.
1: Did you also mention that it fixes nitrogen?
0: I think I said that.
1: Okay, good. I, I'm sorry. I was my mind was wandering, and I want to make sure we included that. Yeah. <laughs> it also adds organic matter to the soil, which is awfully important, as you've already noted. And I would say it's particularly important to add soil organic matter here in the deep humid south, because our soils tend to be much lower in organic matter generally, uh, mainly because the soil activity continues 12 months out of the year, and that means the organic matter gets, what, boiled off? (laughs) I'm not sure what the right way to describe it is, but our organic matter will reduce over time just from the soil activity. And so we gardeners need to do everything we can to keep replenishing that organic matter. And boy, I tell you, Lupin does a great job of that.
0: And and whether you're organic or not, it's also a good way of reducing erosion, especially in a hilly area that we have here. You've got some out in the orchard, and to the extent that it's taken uh, hold there, it does seem to be helping hold the soil.
1: You bet. It's a great uh, aid in that. We've talked some about sun hemp as a cover crop and we probably need to put it in context here. Sun hemp is a also a legume. It also fixes nitrogen, it also adds organic matter. But the big difference between sun hemp and lupin is that sun hemp is a summer cover right, crop. Right, we plant is to, a winter cover yeah, crop. Yeah, we plan to
0: use both, sun hemp and, for summer and lupin for winter. So I think it's good to have that combination.
1: Our practice, at least so far, has been to combine sweet lupin with black oats. That is the recommendation of your friend at Auburn,
0: Edzard Van Santen. Right? Who's the one who supplied us with our lupin and our black oats this year?
1: And uh, we are we will forever be indebted to uh, Edzard for that because it was not only generous but it was also a great idea, and it has. Um, been a wonderful practice for us and we plan to continue doing that now um until somebody shows us a better way to do it
0: yeah and one thing he wanted us to do was which we did was in some areas we planted only black black oats in some areas we planted only lupin in some areas the combination and what we discovered at least on the vegetable rows out there uh which admittedly it's it's got a big deer fence around it so deer are not a factor um, that the lupin just came up great guns and, I would say, outperformed the black oats. Uh, the black oats have been a little more difficult to terminate and um, for in order to plant my target crop, and they just didn't, you know, had to get pretty tall to choke out the weeds. I won't say that they didn't do as good a job of choking out weeds. I think they did. But uh, the black oats don't fix nitrogen, right? They're just exactly. biomass.
1: They are so, primarily for organic matter. Yeah.
0: And the other thing I wanted to say about the lupin, though, is that out there where deer could not get to it, I had no problem. In fact, the lupin germinated, if anything, better than the black oats. But we tried planting something, some of that uh, lupin, over in our open areas, our green field,
1: which is not protected by deer fence,
0: and the the seeds just disappeared. They're kind of large. I yeah. guess it is. And we don't know like whether a... it
1: was deer or yeah. birds. Or we don't know
0: what got it, but all I know it's... We just it,
1: know that the seeds disappeared and yeah. we, not, we got no lupin crop. We did get some black oats over yeah. there and we're yeah. grateful for them. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that the you've had more trouble terminating the black oats. I've The black oats have been slower to terminate in the orchard and that has actually worked well for me.
0: Because you need it to hold soil... Um, and be able to walk around in the orchard.
1: Exactly. I still need that cover crop to remain vital um, even after I cut it. And when I cut the lupin, it basically kills it. Yeah. But I can cut the black oats with a bush hog or with my lawnmower, and they tend to grow back like grass, which is exactly what I need on the orchard floor. Yeah, so
0: that may tell us that, in the orchard and possibly even over on the greenfield, black oats is uh, preferable to lupin.
1: I wouldn't say preferable. I'd say it's a good mix with the lupin. Yeah.
0: Whereas for me, possibly out in my, the along at least along the, um, I think I may be coming up with a plan for next year, the lupin in the rows and the black oats in the aisles. And then you could just mow that all summer long. There
1: you go. So, that would make sense. Yeah. But I, yo, know, yeah, I don't, I don't ever want to give up lupin on the orchard floor. No, because you I are getting that,
0: you're getting that ni- nitrogen being fixed. Right? Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I want it there and and like it. Well, let's talk about a look, couple of challenges that you have with sweet lupin. Probably the most significant challenge is we can talk all we want about fixing nitrogen and how it's a legume and it helps you with your soil fertility and so forth. But the, the nitrogen fixing doesn't get started well until the until about now.
0: Yeah. It has to so, keep on growing, doesn't it?
1: Exactly. So if you're planning to, you know, terminate your lupin in order to plant your garden by the 1st of April, it's probably not a good fit for you. Yeah. You need to be able and willing to, to let it keep growing probably into May. Mm-hmm. So it can set those seeds that you saw uh, recently. And that's where, that, that's when all of the nitrogen fixing takes place. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Um, and, and you know, this year, just because I'm a little late with some of the things I want to be planting, um, it's, it's happening that way. I mean, I do have the beans out there yeah. <laughs> growing so that that will happen. But on the row where I needed to go ahead and plant my tomatoes and peppers, that, that lupin's done for. Yeah, I yeah it we
1: we cut it down mm-hmm. before it had a yeah. chance to do much nitrogen fixing.
0: But I am li- I'm just laying the remains of the lupin back onto the soil, so at least there's some biomass yeah, yeah, benefit.
1: Yeah. The the problem is that really doesn't give you much nitrogen. It does give you a little that. organic matter. I understand
0: that, but I've got to be able to, to get it. Got but. to be able to plant there. Though. Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> And the other thing with the lupin is that you do need to inoculate it at least the first year you grow lupin in a particular location. Um, The inoculant is the addition of some bacteria that assist the lupin in fixing nitrogen. Mm. And if you don't add the inoculant, there's a pretty good chance the bacteria are already there. So it's not going to be a big problem, yeah, yeah. but there's always a chance that you won't have the presence of the bacteria in sufficient quantities to assist with that, which would mean that your lupin, although it would provide a lot of organic matter, would not fix nitrogen and therefore you wouldn't get that benefit. So the the simple, easy solution, it's cheap as dirt, is to add the, that inoculant and whoever Provides you the lupin will be able to provide you the inoculant. Yeah, as and we well. did
0: do that. We mixed our lupin with the inoculant, and so far, I mean, everything looks good. You Can't really tell. We can't really. Tell. We have not tested the soil since then. Right. And one thing we wondered about is um, if that crimping method would ever work to terminate the lupin um, that we've seen demonstrated at Auburn.
1: I'm sure um, that you could crimp lupin, but you probably don't need to. No. Keep in mind that you know in our you know, where, where we're talking about it here in a context of the home production of fruits and vegetables, um, you're probably able to use a hedge trimmer or a string trimmer or something like that. Which is
0: what you did to terminate the lupin in the in the vegetable garden. Is that that's you right? Use I hedge, used a hedge, hedge trimmer. trimmer. Yeah, yeah,
1: and that that brought it down just mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. Um, timing. You really need to get it planted sometime during the month of October. Yeah, and that's the problem really is, what the window.
0: And that's a dry month for us usually. So we've got October a problem is here. our
1: driest month. So when you plant lupin, you probably need to do some supplemental watering at least during the month of October.
0: Or plant it right before a rain that's predicted.
1: There you go. If you can, yeah. If you can that. do that, then you probably don't need to do any more watering. It's just that to get it to germinate and uh, get those little what's the the biological term the cotyledon. cotyledon?
0: Oh yeah, till it gets to the cotyledon stage. Yeah. cotyledon stage, right? Um,
1: yeah. If you need to get the cotyledons sprouted, mm-hmm. and then once you do that, then it'll probably have plenty of water.
0: And they sprouted easily, I thought. I mean, you know, they, it worked great for us. We got that rain, you could see them. Um, and and that's why I thought it was so odd that we didn't have any germination over at the greenfield because they, there was a good rain that came after that. But the problem was something was picking up those seeds. Right. That's my theory.
1: I, I suspect it was birds. Yeah. But I, I suspect the deer are not going around picking up looping seeds off the ground, not. but i you know i, I don't I haven't i wasn't over there so i can't s- yeah, say for sure we don't know then in terms of you know of, of when you bring it down we've already talked about the fact that the sooner you bring it down the less benefit you're going to get from it and there's not a real good fit for those folks who are thinking in terms of good friday planting here in central alabama that's what we do in in central alabama you plant your garden on good friday And if you're thinking in terms of Good Friday to terminate your lupin, you're not going to get as much benefit out of it as you'd like.
0: That's right. Of course, the problem is you need to have something as a cover crop. And if you do want to plant early, I still don't have a better suggestion for you than lupin. You just might not get as much benefit.
1: Well, you know, there are some others, and I'm I'm like you. I don't know exactly. Oh, I know... the other real possibility which you and I have not had any experience with yet is tillage radish True. now when you if yeah. you put tillage radishes out uh, the wonderful thing about a tillage radish is that you're gonna get a root that's maybe uh, 18 to 20 inches long big fat sucker you know the size of your forearm hmm. and it's gonna pl- you know punch down through your hard pan and it's going to create this huge reservoir of organic matter down in your soil the idea of tillage radish is you don't pick up the radish and eat it you cut off the top of you know the the plant as it exists above the soil line and you leave that radish in place and it deteriorates down there and you just have a wonderful enrichment of your soil that's one of the things we should be trying
0: well, we do have some daikon radish seeds, so maybe we should just go ahead yeah. and try that we'll, out. Yeah, we'll
1: probably want to try some tillage radish somewhere, and daikon radishes are certainly a great form of tillage mm-hmm. radish. Yeah. Um, so that's another possibility which you and I don't know much about, but we hope to learn over one, time. And about.
0: one thing I think we should talk about is the rate of distribution of the seed, because I tended to put it kind of heavily in my... That's
1: right. And and I tended to say, honey, honey, you're doing too much. You're doing too much. You probably did the right amount. Yeah.
0: It looked good. In order to
1: suppress weeds, you need a fairly heavy seed rate. And for us as home gardeners, don't worry about it. You're going to seed it plenty heavy. (laughs) Yeah. That's one thing we home gardeners tend to do. We tend to overseed. Um, and overseeding is probably not a terrible thing with sweet lupin because you do want a nice, complete coverage in order to get good weed suppression. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about how it grows during the winter time. You're going to get a spurt of growth if you get it in the ground, say by early October. Hmm. You're going to get a nice, healthy spurt of growth until probably into December, and then it's going to slow down dramatically. Um, there's almost no growth from mid December right through to the end of February. And then come early March, uh it will just take your breath away. Yeah. It the takes off.
0: Yeah, it really does. So
1: And right now our you know, we've got lupine that we've already terminated that had we not terminated it probably would be waist high.
0: Yeah. It's, Yes, I'm out the vegetable garden that now I'm thinking, okay, maybe I acted hastily. <laughs> but... You know, I needed to take it down so that I could get the weeds out of there. And then some of it we took down so we could plant asparagus and sure. things like that. So. And
1: I'm trying to remember when we planted our lupin this year. It was not during October. It was, lo- it was, it was later. It was more
0: like November. We got all caught up with the wedding. Or
1: maybe even December.
0: I think it was more like November. Okay. But it was it was later than we should have. And certainly if we do it again next year, we will try to make it early the way we should. Yeah. October.
1: And when we planted, we broadcast it, which, or at least I did. Now, you may have. Did oh, you?
0: no, I just broadcast it. No, okay. I didn't try to cover it up or punch it in or anything.
1: If you're dealing with a raised bed where you're dealing with a small surface, I would encourage you to go ahead and just press it in lightly with your index finger. Ideally, you want it about a quarter of an inch deep. And and you, when, you, when you see the seeds, you'll, it'll make sense to plant it a quarter of an inch deep because the seeds are about a quarter of an inch in diameter. Yeah, they're big. Um, so, But if you just press it in lightly with your index finger when you plant, it'll be just about right.
0: But with large quantities of land or large areas, you, you really can't do that. You just need to broadcast it Yes, out and there.
1: if you've got a very large area like the green field, we might broadcast and then lightly disk it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the orchard floor or the veg hill, you're right. All we really can do is just broadcast it. Yeah, yeah. And Help for a rain. We try yeah. to get out just before a rain yeah. when we broadcast.
0: Well, before we leave, I think yeah. we should consider, <laughs> because they looked like beans, I wondered, could you eat it?
1: Can you eat lupin? And the answer is absolutely you can. Uh, and we're looking forward to actually enjoying a tiny serving of lupin beans, but... Uh, I say tiny because we've already terminated most of our lupin before we realized it would make beans this way. So we're not going to have all that many to work with. But I
0: don't know how good they are. You said they're mostly for animal feed. They
1: are mostly for animal feed. But I will tell you that when I ate a lupin bean, I thought it tasted pretty good. it, it is It has a little sweetness to it. Mm. Okay. So I, I don't think you're going to find it unpleasant. I think you will actually enjoy eating lupin beans. Uh, but the big but for lupin is that if you are allergic to peanuts, the chances are very good you're allergic to lupin as well. Oh, okay. It has yeah. many of the same um, allergic uh, aller- allergic properties. I'm not mm-hmm. sure exactly what's the right way to say that, but... Um, it creates some of the same problems that peanuts do. So um, just need to be attentive to that and cautious. Yeah.
0: But, uh, well, I'm glad that we had a chance to talk about our favorite cover crop today, or at least one of our favorites. Um, hope that um, everybody has a good week. And we look forward to filling you in on all the details of our vegetable garden next week.
1: You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682, send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is PO Box 780-446, Alabama Alabama 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.